This week's episode of War Talking Drums is brought to you by Lost Cabos Drumsticks, Canada's number one drumstick manufacturer. With 22 models to choose from, you can get the right size, weight, and feel for your playing. Lost Cabos Drumsticks. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the We're Talking Drums podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Derek. How you doing today, buddy? Good man, and I am here with my co-host Corey, and I'm gonna assume you're also doing well. I am. I am doing Good. fantastic Good. today. It is Friday when we're recording this, and uh, you know, uh, work week's over. It's been a busy one to say the least. Uh, I know you've been crazy with uh, with school and everything. You know, how's how's your week been for you? Uh, my week has been chaotic. Uh, it was just nonstop. I feel like I haven't had any time to not do anything. It was just always, if there was downtime, I felt bad that I wasn't working on a project, but I would also feel kind of like I didn't have the energy to work on a project. And it's... Uh, yeah, it was it was busy, but it was fun. You know, I, I finally I got to start working in the glass studio at school today. So soon we're going to be doing like playing with like molten glass. So that's kind of cool. And uh, we also just got the green lights to start doing rehearsals again, which is pretty exciting. So I should be seeing the band again uh, within the next week or two. So I'm looking forward to playing some real drums for a change. That's awesome, man. I'm hoping um, I'm going to look into it a little further and see what I can do to uh, to get together with uh, at least the at least the Celtic Outlaws soon. It's been it's been a really uh, rough year with us not having being able to get together the last like six months or so because uh, that mm-hmm. band like really, really strives on the camaraderie between us and, and playing together in the same room. Um really like within the last 10 years a lot of bands have gone the digital route where like one guy writes the songs and then they just shoot it around and like some guys don't even live in the same country but like for us um the the real passion and energy comes from the four of us getting in the same room and just hammering out some tunes and and feeding off each other you know like we we try to keep a real natural vibe and you know i'm hoping that we can we can get together and jam soon so that's mm-hmm. that's excellent that you're uh, you're getting back at it cuz i know you guys are working on a new record and i'm uh i'm stoked to hear hear how that whole thing sounds man yeah, man. I mean, I can't say I'm excited to see how much my chops have diminished, <laughs> but I'm sure those will be back before too long. Yeah, man. It does. It doesn't take long to get all that back, man. Well, totally. speaking of keeping up with your chops, today we have an incredible drummer, um, and uh, also, also he, he, I believe he plays guitar and is a songwriter as well. But we have Simon McKay from Montreal-based metal band The Agonist on the show. Uh, we're, I think the, the first time we ever met him, uh, we're, we were actually together at um, the Vulcan Metal Battle in Montreal when he was judging. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, honestly, he uh, is the nicest guy um perfect gentleman <laughs> absolutely man <laughs> and and even uh seeing his online presence man this guy is uh extremely supportive of other drummers local and uh you know professional and 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 bands all across uh the world really so without further ado ado Without further, I do. You do. Uh, <laughs> without further ado, um, hey, Simon. Simon! <laughs> What's going on, What's up, man? Thanks, How's it going, uh, man? Thanks for coming on and chatting with us today. My pleasure, man. No problem. Yeah. Um, 
So, as we covered in the intro, <laughs> you uh, are the drummer of The Agonist, and uh, you've been in that band for quite a while now. It's uh, According to Wikipedia, it says 2007. Yeah, that's right, man. Man, that's been a while. So, that's probably been a pretty exciting exciting ride. Um, but, you know, before we, we jump into that, let's. Uh, I just want to know, like, how did you get into drumming and, and what got you wanting to be a drummer? Um, well, I originally started, um, off as a guitar player, actually. Um, basically like my dad took me to a concert when I was really young. It was a Lorena McKennett. That was my first concert ever. Lorena McKennett, the folk singer. <laughs> Still fucking love her. But um, she, he, he, my dad noticed I was um, on the edge of my seat the entire time. And he was like, hmm, maybe you should do some music. Then he suggested I get guitar lessons. And I, I was super stoked about that. And to this day, I still play guitar. Um, but then uh, I was just through jamming with friends and stuff that had drum kits. I would just go on and start playing. And they'd be like, hey, you can kind of play. And I'd be like, yeah, I, I kind of can play. And then I just kind of kept on doing that. And now I'm a fucking drummer. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> nice. So, so you like so. How old were you? Were you whenever you would say like I was a like this is the age I was whenever I became a drummer? Because it sounds like you probably like just like played with them a little bit here and there. Um, was there a moment that you decided like yeah like I'm gonna like be the drummer of this band, or you decided to start taking it more a bit more seriously? Um, I'm sure there was. I don't remember exactly like what age uh, that was because I was really focused on just being a guitar player for a long time. And then finally, um, I just started to realize that I really liked playing like fast drums and metal drums and stuff like that, or like I wanted to do that. And so uh, then there was an opportunity to join this band. I don't know if you guys know, well, I don't know if you know the band Endos. Yeah, I was absolutely, in that band man. Two- yeah, man. I was in Endos for a good two, two and a half years, and we actually did some crazy shit. We did some, like, we even toured in the USA, all booked through MySpace, DIY, back in the day, MySpace <laughs> represents. And anyways, my point was, I wanted to be in this band as a drummer because there was an opening, and I tried out, and they were like, well, like, you're not quite good enough, but we're going to give you the keys to our jam space. And you're going to pra- come in here and practice and get better. Because I told them, I was like, I just need to practice. I have nowhere to practice. And I did that, and I, I got the gig with them. Oh, nice. Yeah. And before that, I was in, like, a, before that, I was in, like, just, like, a, a, a rock band, you know, and then, like, a punk band because I wanted to play faster. So I was like, I want to join a punk band. And that was actually awesome. Nice. Um it's funny, like, because I talked to a lot of people, and it seems like a lot of drummers kind of just gradually got pushed into it. Uh, and like, whenever I started playing, I have like I know the specific month and year. It was like <laughs> June two thousand two is when I started playing drums, and I think it was just because that's when like a drum kit started being at our house for my brother's band practices. Uh, so I always find it interesting whenever, because a lot of people also seem to have transitioned from other instruments, and usually it's kind of like. Oh yeah, we didn't have a drummer, so I just decided I figured I'd do it. <laughs> that's it. That's exactly it, man. I, I was just talking about this with someone else. Actually, a lot of drummers become drummers out of like necessity, which is exactly what happened yeah. to me. It was like, well, there's no drummer here. I can kind of play drums. I really like to play drums. I'd rather play guitar, but like, I'm gonna try to play drums, and then <laughs> you end up just like rolling with that because no one has a fuck. No one has a drummer, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, that's exactly it's like everybody. That's exactly how I got started too, man. So, like, I was a, a guitar player, a bass player, and then uh, a buddy's band, their drummer sucks. We just started jamming. And then when Crimson started, we auditioned three guys, and I just said, fuck it. Like, I, I'm going to learn it because they couldn't play what we needed. So, I was like, I guess I got to step it up, man. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it's like everybody, uh, you know, Guitar players become drummers out of necessity and become bassists out of, like, um, <laughs> you know, just being pushed into it. Totally, totally. I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I followed that path, I've got to say. Yeah, it seems to have worked out. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I guess, 
usually this might be a good place to go because i mean obviously i think you've probably got like a million stories you toured all over the world um i mean how many do you even know how many tours you've done now uh no <laughs> i'm like so a bunch <laughs> really I, I don't even have like a general idea i'm a really um like i always have to consult the other guys to ask them remember when we were here and that and this happened when was that like i have a bad memory for exactly um you, you know when and where i really have to consult like records and stuff i'm like oh yeah right kind yeah. of shitty actually, but um definitely i mean we've been on our fair share of tours man i mean I don't have a number so, for you, but it's it's been enough. Not enough, actually. I should say it's not been enough, and it'll never be enough. But um, it's been a, it's been enough to not know how many tours you've been on. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I guess one thing that we do, uh, one thing that we do with every guest that we have, uh, is a question that we we based off of our first episode, which was called "On Stage Disasters." Uh, so. We want to ask you about if there's any moments that you can think of where just shit went wrong, your gear fell apart, um, you know, just the show was just like a nightmare for you to play. Is there anything that stands out? Some examples that we've had before have been like, you know, just playing like a house drum kit that was falling apart or being too drunk that you fell off a stool. Um, anything that stands out to you is like mortifying or hilarious. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of those. <laughs> uh, I mean, the earliest one, just a really basic one that I could ever think of was, uh, uh, well, it was our second tour ever, I think, in the States, and we were touring with um, Firewind, which has the guitar player Gus G, who's now an Aussie, and that was that's like his band, his uh, his main, not his main band, but his you know his other other band, uh, and the drummer of that band was Mark Cross at the time, who played drums for like Halloween, a bunch of bands. Really old school guy, really fucking awesome drummer. And he had this thing where he would um, he would tape quarters onto his kick drum to get that clicky clicky metal sound. And mm -hmm. back then, I didn't use triggers, and I wanted. I was like, oh, it just sounded so good. You know, I would go out front, and listen to the man. I sounded great. So I'd be like, all right, man, I'm gonna tape some quarters on my bass drum. So I found some <laughs> American quarters, and I just went. And I taped some. It's like duct tape, you know. <laughs> <I'm looking. laughs> okay. So, boom, 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 boom. pow! I eat through the quarter, just goes right through the bass drum head. The bass drum head breaks. We're on a drummer podcast here. We all know how catastrophic a broken bass drum head can be. Yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> you don't you don't just carry an extra bass drum head around. Swap it out with like another band's bass drum. That's a showstopper. Um, other events I can think of is uh, man, I've uh, I've passed out on stage before out of pure heat just too hot just way too hot yeah i've literally passed out i've puked on stage before um i've been so sick that like uh, we had to put a bucket next to me oh no yeah that happened recently to um i forget what band it was but they like made it onto some of these like metal blogs because somebody took a video of it oh, i think it was <laughs> so flesh god apocalypse they're uh yeah at least that didn't happen previous to you. drummer yeah as he's playing, he's he's just throwing up. <laughs> Shit, that might have been on the tour we did with them. Because um, I think, anyways, yeah, I mean, definitely getting sick. Um, what other? Uh, one time, I uh, I had I used to have these uh, in ear molds that I made uh, to put my uh, like my monitors into, and uh, it's pretty expensive, you know. And uh, so I did this like motion at the end of a show, like hands up in the air, like yeah, you know, like you put your hands up in the air you know, give the horns. And so my hands go up the sticks, but my sticks catch just like the cords behind my ears. <laughs> uh, holding the, the inner. So I shoot my hands up in the air. And I basically, what I did was I, I flung the in-ears out of my ears, like into the crowd. Oh no. <laughs> like I, I, sh I flung them like you would, I can't like, I'm, I'm trying to describe like a, like a fucking whistle ball or something. I just went flying out into the crowd. <laughs> Oh, and, and those actually were like found them at the end of the show. Oh, amazing! Oh, wow. Yeah, man, you're lucky somebody like didn't take that and make a voodoo doll out of like your DNA on them or something. Something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are expensive. Like legit ones are like could be like upwards of a thousand dollars. Um, the one my, I say legit because I made a pair out of like moldable earplugs that cost me twenty because <laughs> I'm poor. But yeah, that's something that you don't want to lose. So after that incident, I decided to make super, super fluorescent ones in case that ever happened ever again. 
Because the ones yeah. I have were like black. They're like black. But I can't believe my uh, sound guy, our sound guy, European sound guy, Mega, found them on the ground after. You can believe that. L- looked really hard. Did you, <laughs> they weren't like all trampled and stuff? No, nah, man. They were like, you know, like this like uh, rubber, whatever um, material they use to make them. It's like rubbery. So they were, even if they were, uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if they still work, yeah. then it's all good. I've uh, I've been uh, one time at Heavy MTL actually I uh, I hit like my China symbol and the stand for some reason I still to this day can never figure out how this happened but the stand at the bottom of the stand not even near the boom where I'm hitting it it just broke and it it just like like it literally looked like someone took a fucking lightsaber and just went Phew! and like there's no explanation I don't know how it did it it just clean in half and it just fell on the ground and it just like there's no explanation to why my stand just mysteriously broken half clean in half like uh, it just it doesn't make any sense but it happened it's on video too oh nice you should just say it was because <laughs> you're you were hitting so hard well yeah just take credit just take yeah. credit for it being I, think that, I think that's pretty standard <laughs> for you though you're uh pretty well known as a heavy heavy hitter so but uh speaking of gear um I'm curious what gear you're using, like uh, what uh, kit brands, symbols, stuff like that. We love gear and talking gear on here. It can be boring, but, you know, like uh, it, it's always good to know. So uh, what are you what are you rocking these days behind the kit? Yeah, man, not boring at all. Um, I right now I'm playing Sabian symbols. Um, I've been with them for, uh, I think, four or five years by now. I used to play Pisces cymbals. Uh, now I'm a Sabian. Um, I'm playing Promark drumsticks that I've been with since the very beginning. Uh, Evans drumhead, same thing. Um, been with them for a while. Um, using a, I've been using a Pearl kit, same Pearl kit I've had for a long time. Um, I'm using Trick pedals, Trick Dominator pedals. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, I got like a Roland trigger, you know, um, did you, did you used to use the Pro One Vs as well? I did, yeah, I did use these. Those, I, yeah, they're actually sitting right over here. Yeah, oh. I, uh, I swapped. Yeah, I don't use it now. I use these. Uh, I use longboards now. Yeah. Oh, okay, crazy. That's interesting. Oh, uh, recently I made that switch. Actually, like a good maybe a year and a half ago or so. Oh, nice. I um right now I think well Corey and I both use Dominators, uh, and I am. This month, hopefully, we'll be getting in my custom Pro One Vs. So, if uh, as long as they don't get delayed, or as long as they haven't forgotten about me, but I'm pretty excited about those. Sick man, Trick's a great company. They make some really cool stuff. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, all right. So, sorry, you were saying you've got uh, like rolling triggers and um. What kind of snare are you using? I was watching a video. Uh, it was a live playthrough. I think it was from back in like 2017 or something like that. And your snare sounded awesome. Uh, have you been using the same snare for a while, or do you tend to switch it up? Yeah, I've been using the Babinga. Excuse me, Babinga snare for a while. Um, back then, I was probably using a touring snare drum, probably just like a Pearl Masters Birch or Maple or something like that. Um, I t- actually, I've never been someone that's focused too much on gear um, in the sense that, like, uh, I really, like, you know, you have some guys that, like, have a lot of snare drums and want to try a lot of different, like, stuff. Uh, I've kind of been the kind of guy that tends to, like, I find something I like and I'll tr- pretty much stick with that. Um, don't really switch up too much stuff too often. Um, I don't know if it's for any reason, but, yeah, I had the same uh, B- Babinga snare, actually, for a long time. And uh, what that in that video, it was probably like a Pearl Masters maple. Nice. And, uh, like, when you're, do you have any specific way that you prefer to, like, tune your drums? Or is it just kind of like, I know some people just crank the shit out of their snare and then hope for the best, uh, which I definitely was guilty of for a long time, but... Yeah, for sure, man. Um, I mean... Yeah, that's changing now too. Lately, actually, um, for the longest time, for a lot of the albums, uh, we had a fat snare sound. So I'd often be tuning really, really loose um, to get like a fat, almost like a rock sound. And then just like when there's faster parts, like blast beats or whatever, just focusing on hitting as hard as I can to get the uh, the sound, you know, to project. 
But then recently, like pretty much that's been happening for the past like four or five albums. But now it's like just recently we recorded some new music and I decided, you know what, screw that. Let's just let's have a, a nice high pitched cracking snare. So that music's not out yet, but we did that recently. Um, nice. So now I'm kind of like now I'm kind of like uh, it's been like it's been too long now. I, I need a change now. Um, and the, the thing is, is that we'll have these big deep snares, you know, low tune snares on our albums. And, uh, and then when we go to, for instance, Europe and we use our European sound guy, who's like a genius mastermind sound guy. I literally listen to everything this guy says because everything he says is related to how my drums sound out there. So, um, so he'll tell me like, don't do this. You don't need to hit so hard. Don't do that. You know, this, this, you know, blah, 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 blah. And like, I'll listen to him, like hit the center of your drum. It's this sounded good. That didn't sound good. Um, and, uh, basically where was i getting with this again <laughs> oh i don't know i was like i was just so in, i was so interested in like the little like little tips that we were getting here um something about tuning <laughs> yeah tuning tuning thank you so in europe <laughs> in europe we, he always ends up tuning my snare super high pitched and cracking and cranky not the way at all i would do on the albums so i thought well i'm used to playing that there anyhow so let's just go for that because I try to put my snare like all deep how I wanted it. And he'd be like, no man, it's not projecting. You got to crank it a little bit more. It can still be deep. He showed me other ways to get it like that. But, um, yeah, snare sound. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a big fan of like that. Uh, I'm a big fan of making like my snare drum, making people blink when I hit it. That's always my goal. So I, I tend to go pretty high up as well. Uh, yeah, Vlad, that, that guy Vlad, the drummer Vlad, he has his snare crank so fucking high. It's like it's like a it's like a metal wall when you touch it. It's like it's like no <laughs> <good> at all. <laughs> Almost like a like a marching snare or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm actually kind of interested in some of these other like uh, little fun facts that this sound guy gave you then for making your drums sound good because I think a lot of drummers, especially like. You know, those of us that don't get to play big shows on a regular basis, the idea of like, what do my drums sound like out there isn't something that really crosses our mind very often. Um, like, so do you have any like random tips that you think might be helpful for people to like make sure that their drums sound as good as they can to people listening versus just to them? Yeah, get a great sound guy. just get a great sound guy man i mean like obviously obviously play good drums obviously that goes without saying Mm -hmm. um but sound guy that understands how you play it's it's becomes a question of working with um with that uh working with him to get the best sound out there and then you go back and you watch videos and you're like yeah man that's awesome um like for example uh i guess our european sound guy uh this guy mega i keep on mentioning he knows that i like to hit really hard so he'll do certain things that i can't understand or begin to explain because i'm not a sound guy but he'll be like you know i i I know you want to hit super hard in this part here but you you don't need to because when you do it when you hit so hard like that the drum chokes and it doesn't project and sometimes i'm like you know what Fuck you! I'm gonna hit as hard as I want. <laughs> I'm a goddamn metal drummer. I'm playing a show, and I just I just do that. But then sometimes, uh, like for example, there'd be certain venues where um, the overheads. This is a thing he keeps on telling me. Certain venues, like a mid-sized or small venue, small venue especially, the overheads here are very like don't hit your cymbals hard. He'll say that to me all the time. And then when we're playing a big venue, he'd be like, yeah, yeah, go, go for it. Hit your cymbals. I got plenty of room. But when we're playing these small venues, he's like, don't hit your cymbals hard because when you hit your cymbals hard, it just bleeds in everything. And I'm trying to get this nice, controlled, tight sound, and no one wants to hear all cymbals, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, and that's actually something that he told me like a long time ago. And I think as a result, I don't play my top cymbals that hard, actually, like crashes and, uh, and that stuff. Um, because especially when you're in a small room, it's like, man, you're just listening to this band and the drummer's wailing and it's awesome, but all you hear is this crash cymbal being attacked and attacked and attacked, and there's no room left in the PA for the guitar and the bass. Um, you know what I mean? It's about there being room in, room in the mix. Uh, and yeah. certain, you need to play like a lot less quiet so I can, so Vicky and Danny and everyone else can be in the PA nice and tight and big. Otherwise, my whole mix is fucked, you know? So it's kind of like, 
Yeah, it's kind of like annoying because you just want to go out there and let loose, but at the same time, it's like you know that he's right. <laughs> yeah, and so it's like it's like a compromise. Sometimes I'd be like, you know what? No, like uh, we have the song in Vertigo off the last album, Orphans, and it starts with a blast beat. And when we start that song, it's our first uh, song of the last tour that we did, and I'm just so amped to play it. So I play so hard. He's like, dude, you gotta like lay off and playing it that hard because what you're actually doing is you're bashing the hi-hat so loud that it's just overtaking everything else. Focus on hitting your snare and your kick and your tom's heart. Yes, yes, okay, you're right, you're right, you're right. But sometimes I'll be like, no, you know what? It's the beginning of the show. I'm going to get out there. I'm going to play it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go nuts, and you're going to deal with it because we're <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that's just it. He wants you to play softer so it makes his job easier to mix. <laughs> so you're, you're, sometimes... It's not easy, though. It's, about, it's, it's all about, it's got nothing to do with us. It's all about how the crowd perceives it, and are they having a killer time, and are they hearing everything that needs to be heard? Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Now, uh, you mentioned that you were working on some new material with the Agonist, and I believe I saw that you were in studio with uh, Christian Donaldson at The Grid. Now, that's not your first time recording with him. Is that correct? No, it's like uh, we did every album. Every album of the Agonist ever has been done with him with the exception of our fifth album, okay. where we went to LA, to yeah. a different studio. So you guys have a pretty good relationship with him. Obviously, he's local in Montreal, so it's kind of like the obvious choice for studios to go into. Uh, and like his production's been getting better and better over the years. Is there like a, a specific way that you go into it? when um when you're working with a producer you know so well like is everything just so comfortable that it's you kind of walk in and it feels like home and like you just go and you play and you you put all of it into his hands of because you you know that he'll be able to get the get the end result that you want or what what's that process kind of like working with him yeah, you're absolutely right. Working with him feels totally like home. Every time we come in, it just feels totally normal and natural. And granted, we've been really prepared lately. Um, we used to come in not so prepared in the beginning and work a lot of stuff out in the studio. But we're a lot more like professional um, lately, uh, especially like Vicky. Like she'll come with like her entire thing just sketched out, mapped out, and she basically knows exactly what she wants to do. And it's just a question of reproducing what she wants and then getting good takes. Um, and we all pretty much do the same. Like we'll know exactly what we need to do and we just try to get it done pretty much as quick as possible. Uh, honestly, the last experiences with him, I've just been like, just like really flawless, not in the sense of us being flawless playing, but just like the whole experience, like you come in, you set up. Yeah get a good sound. Okay, cool. Try a couple things. Good. Take some drum samples. Ready to go. You know, it's like, it's very, uh, yeah, it's very natural. So it sounds like, um, you know, going to the studio, I would imagine there's quite a bit of work that you need to do beforehand to prepare for that. Cause obviously you're going to be paying this person to record you. You don't want to be figuring parts out kind of on the fly and taking eating up more time. So do you guys have, um, you know, what kind of things would you do to kind of prepare for something like that? Would it just be like a lot of rehearsing or do you do any like demos of your own beforehand to kind of step back and listen to it? Oh, um, well, it depends who you're asking. Uh, pretty much uh, in my case, what we do is when we record the songs, when we're writing the songs, I should say, I will program the drums uh, at first. This is something we've been doing for the past three albums. We didn't used to do this. This way, we used to write songs in the jam room, just like, just like, just, just bashing it out, you know. And while was, I'm glad we went through that and did did that, and there's a certain quality in writing songs like that. That's not how we do it anymore, and I like it much better this way, um, in the sense that I will get some music from Danny. He might even program like some drums how he thinks he wants it to sound. I will program what I want, and I know exactly what I want it to sound like. Um, and I can play around with things and I'll, I'll never, you know, when you're writing drums to a song and you're doing it physically in a room with someone, there's a certain aspect of you want to go ballistic too. And there's like a physical aspect to it, uh, that might, uh, get in the way of like the musicality of it. So 
um, by writing drums, programming it, I find I can really sit, sit back and say, what do I want to like say exactly with these drums without having to like, just be like, oh, I just want to go crazy. And like, while there's a good quality in going crazy and writing stuff like that, this way it's, it's really thought and planned out. And then, so basically then I will program my own drums. Then I will just learn what I programmed as if I'm in a cover band learning some you know, like I'm in my Pantera cover band learning Vinnie Paul drums. I'll just learn the drums that I programmed and then I just play them and that's what it is. And it's just like the most effective way to do it. You just learn what you did. And nice. I actually, uh, I actually do the same thing with centuries. Uh, I mean, we still jam quite a bit and like, it's a bit of a mix because it'll be like, just say Devin has an idea for a riff or something. He might take it in and him and I'll just kind of jam it out. And that will then to get an idea of where it's going to go. And then he'll do the demo and send it. And a big thing I've, I've always thought was, uh, and it kind of like what you were touching on where, uh, for me, I find programming drums takes my ability uh, and skill out of the equation. Because uh, I find since I've been programming parts, that actually sometimes forces me to become a better drummer because I'll program something for the song that I might not be able to play at that moment. And then I got to really work to be able to play it. And uh, and then, you know, likewise with you know, whatever comes to going crazy, <laughs> I find it's really hard to program really crazy stuff if you're doing like a bunch of like fills with ghost notes and all this stuff. So I'll just kind of like make it like put as many notes in as I can. And then I'll be like, all right, I'll, I'll wing that day of, but um, <laughs> Man, I, get really, I, I get really into it, dude. Like I'll do everything. I'll do all the velocities and everything. And then I'll learn it like note for note. Oh, nice. What program do you use to do that? With like basic drummer, like groove agent. Yeah. Nice. Nice. It works. Corey, do you do much programming? Uh, yeah, somewhat. Uh, the la the most recent Crimson album that we're working on. Um, what we'll do is when Ryan writes a riff, he will lay down like a beat and just like copy paste it, uh, and maybe add in some fills here and there. But then I will come in once the song is finished and re-edit like edit all the program drums. So basically, like the the same same idea as you, Simon. Um, just to whatever mm -hmm. I play, but I don't follow it to a T because I just use it as a guide. And then I take that home to my kit, uh, and I will play through it. And then what we have actually done, we've already tracked pre-production drums live, uh, in my studio. So, cause once I get behind the kit and I'm playing, it's like a, such a different feel for me. I have a difficult time like learning, even though I, I program the drums myself, I, I really like to just feel the energy of, of me listening to the riff and playing, uh, as if I'm like playing live with the guys in the room. So, uh, yeah, then I, I mm -hmm. retrack it again. So it's like a three step process before even hitting the studio. <laughs> Here's the thing, your ver your way of doing it, I'm not necessarily saying my way is the best. In fact, my way may have very well have its flaws. Your way might be a better way, might have certain aspects. Like, because when I say, like, I program drums and I learn them to a T also, like, I'm going through the same motions you are. Like, I'll do my first draft of programming, then I'll learn that, then I'll go in, and then I'll play that, then I'll be like, oh, no, there's no way I can play that fill like that. Then I'll have to figure out another way to do it physically. Then I'll go back and I'll reprogram what I did. Then I'll learn that again, and then I'll go back and, you know, I'll keep on doing that until nothing bothers me, basically. So it's like I have to be able – also, I know when I'm programming what exactly what I can play and what I can't play. And I, I'm not going to program something I can't play – you know, that's like way out of my range. And then, you know, that's not real. Um, but there's definitely like, I'll try to still get the physicality of it by being like program what I want and then try to play it. And then, you know, and then making it comfortable, but still powerful enough for me to play basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. now, do you take those program drums uh, into the studio? So that way, if you're ever going through a song and you're like, Oh, I like this part doesn't feel right. You can reference the drums that you already had written. Once you have your, like your final draft. Yeah, we do. It's literally like a, it's literally like a, a pre-prod session that we import in, into the pro session that we're working on in the studio. And we just want to pull it up. It's just right there. Yeah. That's pretty convenient. That's pretty convenient. 
Yeah, for sure. And we do that with vocals too. You know, we'll have the vocals there. So um, to make sure like, uh, for example, we were tracking bass, you know, and some new lines come up, something, some, something comes out of nowhere. Is it going to clash with the vocals, with the melodies too? You know, make sure have that there too to reference. Nice. I totally. Whenever you said we do that with the vocals, I immediately thought you meant like, oh, we program the vocals. So I was picturing like a, like a Stephen Stephen Hawking type of voice over the song, <laughs> <laughs> like meaty screaming, like Casio keyboard screaming. It sounds like it just sounds like the Doom sound. We <laughs> are the Wilhelm scream that's what it's called <laughs> oh man you should totally sneak those into every we should sneak one of those into every episode those are free to use right they are yeah it's out there totally yeah. alright Corey it's up to you to find it and do that in post for us <laughs> yeah I'll fix it in post as always you know yeah <laughs> so um, I got a question so I guess you know a lot of people you know a lot of people's goal is to pretty much you know get to the level that you guys are at um, but I, I'm assuming that, you know, it's not all like, I want to say peaches and honey. I don't think that's the right saying, but like, you know, there's gotta be some difficult aspects to playing in a band, um, you know, that does world tours and, you know, uh, has such a, a large following. Um, are, are there any like things that people might not realize are actually pretty difficult about that? Maybe like, you know, pressure or just like the touring lifestyle or anything like that? Yeah, of course there's going to be things that people don't know that are difficult. I mean, uh, you know, when you're in the band, you always want to like show the best of, of things for people. Um, but I, I think I would say at the level that we've been, uh, we are at and we've been at, I would say that um, mm, it's different because we're like kind of at this medium level, right? We're not like, we're not like super huge like in the sense of like um this is a full-time job like we all have uh other means of income that are not the band touring and selling merch and albums and stuff and as a result of us being like that we've actually been able to kind of survive this pandemic and i've wondered what it's been like if we actually gained our full-time earnings and everything and paid rents and bills and mortgages from being in the band, how, how different things would be for us right now, because it'd be such a, a shock. But mm-hmm. um, we've, I guess one of the biggest challenges has been balancing, like working a day job, finishing at five o'clock, going to jam, preparing, doing all that, and then going on a tour and essentially not knowing if you're going to make money, uh, enough money to pay your bills when you're coming back. That's been, you know, an issue because, it really depends like what tour you're on, you know, touring is super expensive. You know, that was always like a big, big hurdle of like coming back. And like, I would just literally, especially in the beginning, like I would just throw myself into the, the fire. I don't care how much debt I go into. I don't give a shit. I just want to go out there and do it, you know? And then more and more you're like, shit, man, I, I, I can't like, I can't hurt myself like this financially. I have to, you know, um, I have to figure out a way. So it's, like diversifying your income as a musician is like really, really important Mm -hmm. Um, because you're not going to make piles of money, you know, and especially if you're in a metal band, making, you know, music that is like you're passionate about and you're not making pop catchy music for the masses. You're making, you know, badass metal music. You're not going to make piles of cash. So you got to figure out how to sustain yourself. And really what people don't know is, you know, I guess is what you're asking is like people doing their day jobs and, and then, and then balancing the van life. Cause you don't want people to know, Hey, I do this for a living. No, you want people to think I'm a, I'm an awesome rock star. Um, you know, that's what you want the fans to think you really do, you know, um, mm-hmm. unless you just want to just talk to them one-on-one, but like the, the public image of the band is like, you want that to be like, we're these like superheroes, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's always been yeah. hard is like balancing that. They don't need to know that my non-stage clothes are all made out of burlap. It's pretty much what you're saying. <laughs> I work at the factory. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. I remember, um, so, I mean, Centuries has really only done, like, we got to play Vakken, but we did the one tour uh, at West. And I remember coming back from that, and a co-worker was like, so did you make any money? And I just laughed. <laughs> and uh, it was good. Oh, that's not to say if anyone's listening to this and feeling discouraged, I don't, I, I want to do the complete opposite of discourage anyone from going on tour and doing all that. We have made money on tour. Okay. 
like, it's not like we didn't make any money or, you know, there've been some good times for sure. It's just that it's just the not knowing it's the not knowing and the no security. And it's like for a normal person that's living in society, working nine to five and having this and that, and, you know, healthcare and mortgage and all this stuff, the bills and everything, the family. And it's like the security is like non, the lack of security is crazy for a quote unquote normal person. So you Mm -hmm. have to figure out like, you know, yeah, do that. <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, I guess at the same time, it's important, like, you know, the idea that you, you may not make money, you might as well make sure that you love what you're doing. You know, you got to enjoy playing and being on the road. Um, because in the event that you don't make money, you still want to be happy that you did it, I guess. You know what? You're absolutely right. And a lot of times you just, what you see is you see it weeds out this play harsh reality weeds out the people that are genuinely hungry to play music for people and the people that just kind of want to do it um, as a hobby, whatever. There's nothing wrong with that or people that are not as serious, but you know, you see bands break up a lot. You see, you see bands that are super into it and then the next, then they're just not there anymore. You see, you know, being in a band is about dealing with people. It's not even about the, the most important thing. You know, you have to compromise with your band members and understand that everyone's different and that's a whole other dynamic too. Apart from playing music, that takes like—it's you learn how to do that. You develop that. It's like a social skill, and that's so important too. And then if you're hungry enough to do music, you will put the time into developing your social skills to function with your band. Because if you don't, you're going to get into fights and break up. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's from my perspective. I've always put an effort into you know making the band, you know, just like just being funny and like making everything work well and you know, trying to glue everyone together. And, you know, people have told me like, I'm the glue in the band, so to speak. Everyone has their separate role, but it's hard, man, dealing with like uh, four other people and you're doing this and it's your passion. It's like, everyone has their own idea of what it is, you know? Yeah. I've I've always said that's, uh, that's like the hardest thing I've ever done in my life is just played in a band and tried to keep everybody on the, the kind of the same page. Like it's, it's not easy being in a relationship with four other people. (laughs) So (laughs) yeah, it's the hardest man, but you know what? I'm super thankful for the group of people I have in my band right now. Super thankful, man. I wouldn't want it. I wouldn't want to have anyone else. Like I feel so lucky. I mean, I'll never like, cause I know how hard it is to find good people out there, man. It's impossible. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm super fortunate. Yeah. I find that's like been the hardest part of, of this like of COVID and lockdown, we haven't been able to rehearse. And it went from like, you know, going to band practice was twice a week. I got to go hang out with my best friends. And then all of a sudden it was just like, Oh, can't do that anymore. And there was like, there goes my passion and my social life. <laughs> and so it, no, it's a, it is nice. Like, you know, just being able to get along with everybody. I think everybody's played in bands where heads have been budding and things just didn't click. And, uh, mm-hmm. You know, never <laughs> yeah. pleasant. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, man, so, it's a it's crazy oh. time. It's a unique time we live in, man. It's, it's, it's crazy. Totally. Um, so, Corey, unless you've got a question, I got, I got a fun series of questions that we could jump into. Oh, dude. You got some rapid yeah. fire questions there? We're going to introduce our second, I was going to say annual, <laughs> second <laughs> ever and I want you in post to add a bunch of echo and stuff when I say this. Lightning round. All right, so I'll explain how this works. This is very easy. <laughs> I'm going to ask a question, and these are going to be quick, and I want you to just give the first answer that comes to your head. Um, I will clarify where I think it needs to be clarified, but if I don't clarify, just answer <laughs> with whatever you think of. Most of these are drum-related. I think maybe maybe about half of them are drum related and um, the other half are puppy related. <laughs> there's no puppies this time. Oh, okay. All right. Awesome. I think I, le- I would like to assume um, that we're all dog people. I think Sam, you got a dog, don't you? Oh yeah. Hell yeah. I got a dog. Yeah. yeah. Should we take the next 25 minutes and talk about our dogs instead? Yeah. <laughs> 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 we'll, we'll share Instagrams afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, are you guys ready for this? Yeah, let's sure do it. Late on <laughs> Don't everybody jump at once with that one. Okay, so this first one's easy. Should I answer these two? 
Even though I've had time to think about them, I didn't answer the last time we did it. Yeah, how about we'll go Simon, then me, then then you can answer last. Corey's trying to get more time to think about the answers. So Corey hasn't heard these questions before, Simon. Just so you know, so you're not the only one. <laughs> okay. So new pedals or new snare? New snare. New pedals, and you've said that one before. Uh, I have. I have reused. Uh, I may have reused a few, so we know that. Do you yeah. have a specific snare in mind, Simon? New snare because new pedals, man, it takes so hard to get comfortable with your pedals, man. Snare, it's like, yeah, I could play all the snares in the world. Let's try them all. That's why. That's that's a oh, good see, attitude. That's a great answer. <laughs> I, yeah. ju- I just want a specific set of pedals that uh, I've had in my site recently. So, yeah. But, Derek, uh, what? Uh, how about you? Pedals or snare? So since I am getting new pedals in a month, I'm going to say new snare. I've wanted to get like a super thick, like six millimeter cast bronze snare for so long. Remember how we were talking about, I want my snare to make people blink. I want one eventually that'll collapse lungs when I hit it. That's the goal. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Next question. Dinosaurs or aliens? Aliens, dude. Aliens. Yeah, I'm going aliens oh. too, man. I'm a dinosaurs guy. I don't know if you guys can see my background. I've got like a bunch of dinosaur like paraphernalia up above my TV up there. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big I love dinosaurs. They're so cool. You guys are both wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um what is your dream piece of gear? Honestly, a guitar came to mind, dude. Oh, all right. Let's end this podcast early. Off. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, we'll get, we got to. We should insert a bunch of booing. <laughs> 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 what? Uh, what kind of guitar? Man, I don't know. I've I've always like want. Ever since I was a kid, I wanted that Gibson Black Beauty, the one that. Uh, yeah, sorry, I'm gonna fuck it up, man. The Gibson Les Paul Black Beauty with the gold tops. Les Paul with the gold trim and the gold tops. Yeah. Ooh. Anyways. I wanted to say like, oh yeah, as if I knew what that looked like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Corey. Uh my my is on the way actually, my uh new Mapex kit. That's like my Ooh. my dream setup. Uh I it's should be here in June, I think. So yeah, I'm super stoked for it but yeah that it dude it's like literally my dream kit that uh i'm getting so yeah i'd say that is that's it that's man. pretty sweet you, sh- you should take a bunch of maternity pictures with the boxes before you open them yeah i should like, eh? <laughs> just stuff stuff the snare like under my shirt like oh, <laughs> that's... you should burn one <laughs> <laughs> Um, I already talked about my dream piece of gear. It's that snare. I want one of these big, thick, chunky snares that weighs like, like I want to have to have a dolly to move it on and off the stage, the stage. (laughs) Right. All right. We're going to get a little personal here. So I hope you guys are ready for that. Have you ever played drums naked? Oh, hell yeah, man. Yeah. So risky. Also, yes, I live with my drums, but I never enjoy it. Okay. People. (laughs) So you haven't played live nude? before no oh, oh what you have yeah <laughs> like we're talking it happened when we we're, were talking in, like uh, dick out <laughs> uh i wouldn't say out no i was i was i, was, I had it covered <laughs> but um yeah it, when we were touring in germany <laughs> uh like two years ago with johnny no cash celtic outlaws uh shit got a little crazy because we would do like close to two hour sets um and uh yeah um it, yeah that happened <laughs> i did not, I'm not, I, did not uh, know I, wasn't, I wasn't too proud of it afterwards and it was one song <laughs> but um yeah man it uh crazy shit happens on the road sometimes great great oh actually well, that actually reminds me of a good story a tour story that i uh, see i don't i'm not often reminded of tour stories like people are like tell me a good tour story i'm like i don't know what the fuck man you put me on the spot but now it's actually coming to me this one time we were late at a show uh, in new york at the uh, i think it was the highline ballroom it was like a sold-out show it was on tour with um enslaved and uh blackguard 
um, in like 2008. We showed up late. We were like 15 minutes late for our set. So we only have 15 minutes left to play. So we told the other bands that we're late. We need to use your gear. Like just run on stage and do this. And the tour manager was like, okay. He was like really mad, you know? So we get it. We run, we get into the venue. We load through the front door, going to the stage. All the people are in there looking at us, like with our guitars and shit. We go up on stage. My the drum kit's already there. I am in my pants. I'm fully clothed. So I, I do whatever, like symbol. I can't remember what I did, but I started taking down my pants to change into my shorts. And I start hearing, like, whistling and clapping, and I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm changing in front of, like, a thousand people right now. <laughs> <laughs> on stage in front of all these people. I'm like, oh, fuck, man. Whoops. Oh, that's uncomfortable. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do, man, in a rush. I would have just ripped them off and played in my underwear, man. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah, there you go. There you go. There you go. It's just the fact that everyone noticed me, you know, you just have to blush, you know, being drummers we're always like we're always like behind drum kits people aren't supposed to see us let alone our nether regions <laughs> <laughs> that's why I okay have two, so two kick drums because i don't want anyone even seeing my legs at all like you get part of my <laughs> arms and that's it like one one kick drum to shield each ball that's right. <laughs> Those are massive balls. Okay, so next lightning. We're doing great answering these questions quickly, by the way. We're just we're killing this lightning part of this. <laughs> yeah, lightning. Uh, <laughs> so what is your least favorite thing about playing drums? Uh fucking sweating, man. I sweat so much, dude. It's retarded. Like I literally like when I'm done playing drums, it looks like I went scuba diving, man. <laughs> Like it's ridiculous. It's I. It's so uncomfortable. <laughs> but I don't notice it because I'm sweating. But then after when I'm done playing, I'm like, holy shit! I'm literally like, like I I, it's, I sweat more than normal people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, more moist than the average Joe. It's not. It's not moist, dude. It's li literally <laughs> like it looks like I was submerged like, when I'm done playing drums. <laughs> I just, I'm just. I I sweat a lot naturally. I, I produce a lot of heat, man. I'm like a furnace, you know. So. <laughs> adding to the furnace it's like you're just shoveling shoveling high quality coal into that furnace man what happens is your stage name should be you should go by hot simon hot <laughs> that simon. sounds like a good that sounds like a good sexual position <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah you know what i did last night the hot simon yeah <laughs> oh yeah you played an hour of drums and then went for a shower <laughs> <laughs> fell asleep early <laughs> All right, Corey. I forgot the question. I hope you remember the worst uh, worst part of drumming. Yeah, your least favorite was? thing about playing drums. Least least favorite thing, honestly, I would say um, pulling muscles, like having having injuries uh, due to like poor technique. I guess uh, yeah. that's that's been my least favorite thing. Uh, just like my my left ankle, left wrist, all my, it's my left side of my body really. That like some of the tendons like get strained more easily now because of poor technique earlier on in my career. So that's my least favorite part. When I sit down and I start blasting and I can feel just the uh, the tenseness in my wrist, I'm like, uh, like it. It's just it's frustrating more than anything, but yeah, it's my <laughs> least favorite part. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I'd say my least favorite thing is the inconvenience of being a drummer, trying to find places to live, or just like all the money and all the space. Like you know, I drive a minivan because I have a drummer. Minivans aren't cool. <laughs> it's nothing cool about that. Clunkiest, literally the clunkiest fucking instrument ever. Oh man, yeah. Convenient. Like, what are we thinking? Most expensive, you know, like when you buy a guitar, there's no chance that you might break that guitar after six months of playing it. Unless you're playing like with a sledgehammer, you can <clears> buy a cymbal that costs $350 in, in the music store and you can break it months later, dude. That happens all the time. Yeah. I used to like dump more money into my drum kit than my shitty old car that I drove. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. It was, it was the worst. I do. We we all drive beaters. Like no one, no drummer out there has a nice car, but they have yeah. like a super nice polished up drum kit. You know, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. 
Um, <laughs> all right, next question. Would you rather replace your feet with hands or your hands with feet? Holy shit. We'd like to get you thinking about the important things on this show. Feet with hands. Feet with hands. Feet with hands. Because mm-hmm. then I could, I mean, like, tickle the pedals. Yeah, right? Yeah. I could, like, just <laughs> feather, feather tickle the pedals with my fingertips. I mean, you could never give a foot job, but, I mean, who cares about that? Yeah, you could give a oh. hand job with your foot. <laughs> You get four hand jobs at once. Every band member also... gets one. <laughs> oh God! Thanks, thanks for that visual. All right. <laughs> what about me? I'm left out then. Someone's got to take care of me too. Oh uh, well, yeah, I guess. You got a sound. You got a sound guy. <laughs> yes, that's the sound guy's job. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I'm also going with the hands for feet. It just seems more practical. Yeah, you it know? really does. Who, man. who wants? I'm on that who page. wants feet for hands? I mean, no offense to anybody who's listening that does have feet for hands, but, you know. Then when you scratch your face. Not, they're probably not going to type us an email complaining. <laughs> yeah. It, like when you're uh, you're scratching your beard or something, it's just your foot and your face. I don't know. That doesn't that doesn't seem like a good time. <laughs> we, the Foot for Hands Association of America, are incredibly offended by this statement, and we must write you Oh, man. Okay. So I've got two questions left. <laughs> so these are stupid. Okay. Um, what are, without going into too much detail, because we're, we got a little bit of time. Three drummers you idolize. It doesn't have to be like your top drummers of all time. Just three that you like, really love what they do and uh, you look up to them. Well, number one, Mario Duplante, because he's got all the all the all the everything you could ever want from a drummer. Because he's got the speed, he's got the feel, the groove, the sound, the emotion, everything. He's got total package, basically. Um, who else? Uh, <clears throat> Nick, Nicholas Barker, because uh, like I grew up listening to a lot of his playing, like early Dino Burgier Cradle of Filth albums, uh, like Puritanical Euphoric Misanthropia album from Dino Burgier. Um, early Cradle of Filth albums, Nick Barker, yeah. Um, and uh, who else? Their drummer. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna say. Uh, oh shit! It's escaping me right now. The current drummer of uh, I know him too. Well, I don't really know him. Um, oh, the drummer of a. Uh, hold on, you can edit this, right? <laughs> <laughs> we we could, <laughs> we can. Barone, Anthony Barone, Anthony Barone, okay? Oh, dude, that guy's insane. Yeah, man, he's like another animal. Like, this kid is, like, incredibly good, dude. Like, incredibly good. I think he's the next, like, big thing. Is he person. the drummer of, um, oh, yeah. my God, who are they? Uh, I think it's just of the intent? guitar player. Shadow of Intent, yes, Anthony oh. Barone from Shadow of Intent. And this he's also is... in Beneath the Massacre, I believe, as well. Yes, yes. Yeah, which that new record that he did was fucking absolutely insane it's insanity he's not the drummer that uh also plays in um oh my god what are they they're from montreal the singer they're like a really kind of gore gutsy style band the singer plays a little tiny guitar that he made <laughs> that, this is a bad description of uh, uh doesn't come to mind man i don't know i'll look it up later all right Corey. i, I think we've actually talked about that band before and you had to message uh one of your band members to figure out who it was. Uh, I totally did. Yeah, I did. Because yeah. I, I still don't remember. I, I want to say it's uh, Naraxis, but I don't think that was the band you're thinking of. Um, oh, hell yeah. Naraxis, great. I, I, I'd like to hear the name of that band. Hell yeah, Naraxis. Let's say it again. Naraxis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, dude, I know we've talked about it before on, on here, and I probably had different answers. But uh, Alex Rudinger, uh, the last like five six years, uh, that guy's been a I huge agree. inspiration. Just how tight and like precise his playing is, uh, and he still has like great feel and groove to it. Like it, I don't know. I love watching him stuff and just him like progressing into this like not only talented but like he like his uh youtube channel and and patreon and everything like he's really like making a career out of just being a a drummer which is incredible to see um yep another guy very recently just released um some 
awesome new videos is Krim from uh, Septic Flesh. And like I've been following that guy's stuff for years and seeing where he's at now is like fucking unbelievable. That guy's playing uh, is like part of the reason why I went uh, down the road of uh, the swivel technique with my feet. Uh, just seeing him doing that years ago. Uh, so, dude, that guy's insane. Um, and when it, when it comes to like uh, influential drummers, Dan Pressland uh, from Neo Blue oh, yeah. yeah, like yeah, for sure. That guy's killing it, and now he uh, he runs his own studio uh, in, in Australia, I believe, in Brisbane, uh, and. Man, that's like kind of one of my dreams as well. So, you know, that that guy's crushing it and he's one of the most creative guys behind the kit who's he started doing stuff that nobody was doing, you know, like blasting on the toms. Like I like no okay. nobody would do that uh, you know, 10 years ago, but yeah. So those those are my top 3. So, Derek, mm-hmm. it's your turn. Um so yeah, uh, I I mean we've talked about uh, most of these people. So I think for like extreme metal, Jamie Saint Merritt from Ulcerate uh, comes to mind. He's just like inhumanly good. It's just crazy if you've ever watched any of his videos. He's got a bunch of drum cam stuff up, um, and uh, I'm a huge Thomas Lang fan, which we've talked about over and over. The guy like that, he's. I don't know, man. It's just like if you watch some of the stuff he does, it's crazy. I don't know how somebody could possibly have the time to learn and develop the stuff that he does, like on their hands. Let alone being able to do them on their his on his hands or feet or between his hands and feet on either side. Like it's just crazy. Yeah, like I must not sleep. Man. <laughs> and um, this other one is uh, it's uh, like a recent drummer I found out. I'm probably going to say her last name wrong. Sarah. Thawer or Thoyer. Uh, I know, I don't know a lot about her. I think she used to play for Tegan and Sarah. She's not a metal drummer, but she's insanely good. Like her rudiments and just sticking and timing are so interesting the way she approaches it. I find it just like mesmerizing to watch her play because she can just like shred like crazy and then jump into a groove. And then all of a sudden, like, she'll be talking to a mic, explaining what she's doing. And then she's like, all right, so now what we're going to do is just, like, we're going to play on the ends instead. And she just, like, bumps the beat up half, like, you know, half of a beat. (laughs) And then it just sounds all off time for a bit. And she pulls it back, like, effortlessly. I find stuff like that really interesting. And I do believe that she is based out of Toronto as well. Did not know that. I do. I if it's the same person I'm thinking of, I do believe she is. So, yeah, man, she's oh, uh, man. a local local drummer around our parts, anyways. So, yeah, that's crazy. I had no idea. I'm gonna find that. Out. Maybe she'll give me some lessons or something. Neat. <laughs> That'd be awesome, <laughs> man. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for the lightning round. Fantastic, dude. Appl- and then was... applause. Yeah. <laughs> Man, we need to get a soundboard. That'd be great if we could just add sounds in as we're doing this. As. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to get like the air horn sound. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, Corey, you got any more questions? Um. Not 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 exactly, man. But um, so you you have a new record coming out. Obviously, there's no date yet. Um, is that that's on Napalm Records? Are you guys with Napalm still? Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be on Napalm. That's yeah. excellent, man. Uh, is there anything else you got you got coming up? I know. Uh, Sadly, uh, your tours have been postponed to 2022. Um, is but is there anything else uh, you got going on in the in the near future? Um, well, we uh, I've been focusing on um, practicing basically the past like months for the studio session that we just did recently for this new music that we're going to release, and it's almost kind of like right now. 
like we don't have anything like we do, but there's nothing like immediate that I have to do. Like in the sense that I don't have to prepare for anything, any like deadly studio assignments. So I'm like, I'm kind of sad, man. <laughs> but because, like, the, the, the songs I should add, the songs that I just track are some of the most difficult, the Agonist songs on drums, like ever. And I'm super stoked to, uh, to show them out there. These are not like slow songs. These are like pretty brutal songs. Um, they're great songs. And um, so now nice. that we're focusing on is, uh, just everything else that's going to happen, you know, like uh, the media aspect videos and uh, like that. So that's basically, there's not much else to focus on. And um, I've been, uh, I've been uh, taking the practice pad very seriously um, this past year. I've been doing a lot of practice pad in my apartment, which is something I never did. I would, de I dedicate a certain amount of time every day, which is minimum 20 minutes. Um, especially when I'm working in between, you know, my day job hours and stuff, I have to get some in. So I'm focusing on getting better because, uh, my right hand technique is suffering and I'm trying to, to get it up to speed. Um, and, uh, yeah, just working on that. There's always goals, man. You know, you always got to set new goals. Always. Totally. That's excellent, dude. Well, thanks for uh, uh, coming on and talking to us. Uh, you know, it's been an excellent chat, and we, uh, you know, it's it's great to kind of get to know you and, uh, you know, get some FaceTime with you. <laughs> yeah, man, for sure. It was fun. Appreciate it. All right, man. Well, you know, until next time, take it easy, and thanks, everybody, for listening. We will post links so that you can check out uh, The Agonist and anything else that Simon wants to send us to post. Uh, and until next time, keep drumming. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. And if you're feeling especially kind, we would love it if you would share this with a friend or two. If you have any comments, questions, or even suggestions for future shows, please let us know. You can fire us a message, and we'll do our best to get back to you. Catch you next time.